Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find three separate speaker feeds with over 400 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep the special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Atusa. Hi, everybody. Atusa, compulsive overeater. Hi, Atusa. Hi. I'm so nervous. I can, like, feel my heart through my chest. My goodness. Uh, Thank you, Lisanne, so much for asking me to speak. Um, It's always an honor and a privilege. And congratulations to all the trip takers. Um, Happy, happy birthday, Renee and Roz, 26 years. Um, What a blessing. Um, And welcome to our newcomers. Welcome to our newcomers. This is um, really... I have a life beyond my wildest dreams today because of this program. That's just the bottom line. And my life is not perfect. I certainly struggle with a lot of stuff, but I wouldn't be here, you know, the way that it is looking like it does today without this program. Um, Gosh, I think someone thought I was going to be very thirsty. Um, I just celebrated 14 years on May 12th. And May 12, 1999, I always say it took the turn of the century for me to become abstinent. Um, My top weight is close to 200 pounds. I am somewhere in the low 160s, so whatever, 30, 40 pounds down. Um, I'm a food addict. I'm a food addict. And I don't, you know, I didn't do the drug thing, the cigarette thing, the pot thing, the sex thing, you know, yet. Yet. My sponsor always says, put a yet back there. Um, but food did it. Like, food covered the gamut. You know, it, it numbed my nerves enough to be able to allow me to do life on life's terms. And I discovered food hit me differently. I must have been around four. And I remember my mom was feeding me. I'm Persian, so we eat a lot of white rice. And she was feeding me rice and something. And I distinctly remember the rice going down. I was four. (laughs) And me going, oh, is that good? You know, not the response of a typical four-year-old. Like, you know, four-year-olds kind of eat and go off and play. But I immediately had that, like, oh, that, like, exhale with it. And immediately I remember shortly thereafter feeling like that about certain foods. And then immediately having the shame that came with it. Like, this food hits me differently than other people. Like, other people don't seem to have this. And very soon I discovered that I should hide how much I love this feeling. And so I was hiding food and stealing food. And, um, you know, I was born in Iran, but we went to live in England um, in 79 when most of the Persians left Iran uh, when there was a revolution. And I was you know, living amongst very white people in England and um, very different. I had a very Persian, fresh-off-the-boat family and um, stuff was going down in my house that shouldn't have been going down, you know, that's the bottom line and I'll share in a general way from the podium. If you want to know more, you can call me. 
Um, but there was stuff going down that no kid should have to endure. <coughs> and so I went back to my drug of choice, you know, and I realized, wow, that feeling that I had from the food back <coughs> then, it works really well to help me cope with what's going on now. Because what's going on now is painful and it's shameful and I need anesthetic, you know. And food did for me what, you know, heroin does for the drug addict. I can get from certain food combinations available at Vons, like, <laughs> you know. Um, and food is legal and it's cheap, you know, and you can drive into the influence of food, you know. <laughs> And um, at around, you know, 9, 10, you know, the body image stuff, I started um, dieting and binging and dieting and binging and becoming really aware of my body and your body and everyone else's mommy uh, body and, and everyone else's mommy. And, um, you know, my mom was a compulsive overeater, and she, she died. You know, she died of this disease. Um, she was on a very high-protein diet. And her electrolytes went out of whack. And she was also on those shots, like pregnant urine cow shots. I don't know, whatever they did in the 80s. Um, she had a massive heart attack at the age of 38. And so I don't have to look far to see, like, how you can die from this disease, you know. Um, and I, I came home and I found her dead on the floor, you know. And I had a seven-year-old brother. And stuff continued to go down in the house. And I now had a seven-year-old to take care of, you know. And so the food worked really well. And thank God it did, because I may have killed myself if it didn't, you know. Um, so right after my mom died, we moved to the States, and we went from being, you know, Persians in Manchester, England, to now being Persians in Beverly Hills, right? <laughs> um, my Farsi got really good. I was like, holy God, there's a lot of Persians here, you know? I learned, like, every bad Persian word that I had never learned in English because no one spoke Farsi there. Um, and the disease got progressively worse, like it does. And I lived with loving grandparents, God rest their souls, who had just lost a daughter and who were doing their best. And I ate, and I ate, and I ate, and I starved, and I ate, and I starved, and I ate, and I got went through high school starving and eating and hating myself and doing the whole, you know, sit in front of the mirror and pull on my body and hate myself and hate you. And, 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 and here's the thing. I can eat like a truck driver, like massive, massive quantities of fat and salt and sugar and calories, and my body just sort of you know, kind of did it, you know, but then it came with shame and demoralization and suicidal feelings, like it didn't do, like there's people who are heavy that are like, ah, I'm holding on to a little extra weight, and, but for me it was like, I want to die, I just want to die because I can't stop, I can't stop hating myself, and yet I can't stop doing what makes me feel like I can survive in the world, but makes me want to die at the same time. So I uh, got out of high school and got married, which is what you do, right? And um, serendipitously met a wonderful man, and the disease took a turn for the worst. And, you know, this poor man did not know what to do with me. <laughs> he would come home from work, and it was, like, plastered on my face. You know, like you walk into, like, an alcoholic, and they reek of alcohol, and they're passed out on the couch. Well, he would walk in, and I would be like, 
reeking of chocolate M&Ms or whatever it was that I had just finished binging, you know, and he would see it and he'd be like, you know, what is going on? Like, how can I help you? Do you want a treadmill? Like, what, you know, what, you know, what, what can I do? Like, he's, he's a normie, like normie, normie, normie. And, um, you know, poor guy. Anyway, so I had my first kid and I hated being a mom. I mean, it was like, this this kid is really inconvenient. I mean, she was just, she interrupted my binging, you know, she changed my body, and all I wanted to do was put him down for a nap. I mean, that is the God-honest truth. And I would nap from noon, which was all my children, through Oprah Winfrey at three. And, and the kid napped. And when she woke up at around 3.10, I was pissed. Because it was like, you're disturbing my nap, you know? Um, she's 20 now. Um, but when she was three, I, she went to preschool, and I did some volunteering, and I became um, president of the Candy Drive. Okay. And, um, <laughs> and it was $1 world-famous candy bars, right, that you would sell to the school, right? And I sold them all to myself. So at the end of the sale, I owed the school like $75. Um, and I was having lunch with my, friend, with my friend Rose, and I said, Rose, I ate 12 candy bars last night. And she was like, 12? I was like, yeah. She goes, all in a row? I was like, yep. <laughs> like, did you throw up? She's like, nope. Um, did you, like, did anything happen to you? I was like, no, I do it all the time. Like, <laughs> like you need OA. And then she swears that she told me her story. I don't remember her story. <laughs> she says she did. I don't think she did, but she says she did. Um, but either way, I went to a meeting, and I heard, you know, I heard my story. And, and what is really... You know, what is really so sad is that shortly prior to then, um, my husband sat me down, and many of you heard this story, um, but he thought I was cheating. And he sat me down, and he was like, are you cheating? Like, do you want out of this marriage? Because you are not here. Like, you are not present. You're not physically intimate. You're not emotionally intimate. Like, you are elsewhere. And if there is another man... You know, we should call it a day because I don't want to be in this marriage anymore, you know. And there was no man. I swear to you there was no man. But there was a level of self-hatred and demoralization that was a full-time job. <laughs> like, how could I be present for anything other than that, you know. And I was like, no, there's no man. And he's like, well, then do something about it, you know, because I can't, I can't go on in this marriage. Um... And so, I, you know, I started going to meetings, and, and I didn't really do much about it. And I went, like, once a week for a little bit and had a second baby. And I found myself now with the second baby and the other one to take care of in my 20s. And I was standing in front of the pantry with a newborn and this pantry. And I was like, holy shit, look, we're back to where we were. And I called Jeannie. And I said, you know, Jeannie... Um, I need a sponsor. Can you sponsor me? And she said, I'm really full right now, but here's a number of someone who can. And I called her. You know, she had four years of abstinence, and she was in a normal body. And that's all I wanted. Like, I was like, tell me how you do it. Um, I didn't know how to eat, and I lived in so much anger and resentment. And there were people in my life, I just wanted them to die. 
Like, I, and I wanted them to burn in hell. Like, I didn't really just want them to burn. Like, and I lived with that hatred all the time. And this was like, like members of my family, members of my extended family who I was estranged from, you know. And so I ate at them. I ate at them. I hated myself. I gained weight. I lost weight. I binged. I dieted. It was awful, you know. And so she was like, yeah, of course I'll sponsor you. No problem. I want you to go to three meetings, get two service commitments, call me every day, um, pick a food plan, and work, we'll work steps together. And I was like, all right. And she's like, I'm not your therapist. I'm not your mom. I'm not your God. I'm not going to loan you money. And um, she says, don't lie to me. You know, just, just work the program, and, and I'll take you through the steps. And I was like, okay, you know. Um, and we started working the steps. And she sponsored me for nine years. And um, my life changed. My life changed. I became abstinent. I got physical recovery. I have a pit crew in this program of women who I call who are on speed dial. You know, I joked last week when I took a candle, like, all I have to do is press L and Lucy pops up, you know, and I'll be like, my brother's in town. And she'll be like, shit, okay, what's the plan, you know? Um, and that's what I do all the time to various people and to my sponsor now. And um, Heidi took me through the steps. My life got better. My marriage got better. I had a third kid. I learned how to eat. Um, I'll share a quick story with you because I, I think it's funny. Um, you know, I work in childbirth. And <laughs> talking to this mom a little while ago, and she was on speakerphone. And I was driving a car full of kids. And this mom was anxious because she wasn't going into labor, and she wanted to have the baby already. And all the kids are listening in the car at 7 a.m. for driving, right? And so I was like, you know what? You have to surrender. Like, your body knows what to do. Your body will go into labor. Like, just trust the process. It's your second baby. It's going to happen. So I'm kind of talking her off the ledge, right? The kids are listening. And then I said, you know what? Why don't you write a letter? Write a letter to the baby and tell the baby that you're ready. Right, tell the baby I'm ready for you. Come and meet your older sister. Come and come and see your nursery. You know, come into the world. And she was like, oh, that's awesome. I love writing. I'm totally going to surrender. I'm going to write a letter. I was like, all right. And so I hanged up the Bluetooth, and my little one at the time was eight. Goes, Mom. I'm like, yeah, Han. Where's she going to put the letter? <laughs> She's like, How's she going to get the letter in there? <laughs> And I was like, okay, so we, we have to have a chat. Um, but that was the level of my, like, how she going to get the letter in there, was how do people eat? I saw normal-sized women eating. I didn't know what you did with a sandwich. Like, did you eat six of them? Did you eat them for dinner? Did you, was it a breakfast food? Like, what, what do you do with cake? What do you do with leftover pizza? You know, what do you do with leftover Chinese food? Like, I didn't know how to eat. And in early abstinence, I swear to God, I called Heidi, my first sponsor. I was like, what do you eat for breakfast? And she was like, oh, honey, all right. And she, like, gave me a few breakfast options. I was like, okay, cool, I'll try that. It was so basic, and I called her twice a day because a whole day was too long for me to go without eating. You know, I called her at 8.45 and 3.45 for nine years. 
<laughs> okay. The first couple years it was twice a day, and then it was every you know every day I called her at the same time. Heidi very rudely moved to Ohio, got married, and had a baby. Um, and uh, I, but the morning I didn't work with Heidi anymore, I got a new sponsor, and she's been sponsoring me for five years. And so it's 14 years back to back. You know, welcome to the newcomers. You don't have to live in that pitiful, incomprehensible demoralization. And no one can believe, like, haha, food program, what, you eat a little too much? Very funny, you know? It's not funny. Like, when you want to kill yourself because your clothes don't fit, and they fit two weeks ago, and people would look at me and be like, hey, you look great. Have you lost a little weight? And I'd be like, yeah. And then, like, three months later, they'd look at me and they'd be like, Oh, <laughs> like they wouldn't quite know what to say, you know. And then you know, two months later, they'd seem, "Oh, you took all the weight off. You look great." And then two weeks later, they'd be like, oh. "You know, like people were baffled, you know." And they didn't know who they would get. Like, were they going to get like the slender, happy Atusa, or the angry, hungry Atusa, or like perhaps the slender, just binged Atusa who's on the way up? Like, that one was a crazy bitch, you know, like, you know, you didn't really know what you were going to get, and people were afraid of me. Like, my nieces and nephews, a little while ago, it was devastating. They were like, we were afraid of you. You were scary, you know, and, and I don't have those relationships today. I have phenomenal people in my life. I have sponsees, I have a sponsor, I have a marriage that got better. I have 12-step children, you know, I have these little 12-step kids who carry the message back to me when I don't want to hear it. So let me tell you, let me tell you a little, I'll tell you a couple of cool things that happened. Um, last month I was, I was meeting deprived, I was tired, and I was hungry. And my daughter was driving, she's 15 now, almost 15. And she said, hey mom, my mom's friend wants the number of your chemistry tutor. I was taking chemistry. And I was like, how does she know I'm taking chemistry? Like, well, I told her. Well, why did you tell her I have a tutor? She's like, well, I don't know. I just, she needed a tutor. I told her you have a chemistry tutor. So can you give her the number? I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> why can't she find her own tutor? <laughs> She's now looking at me like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, and, and the core of my disease is fear of losing what I have or not getting what I want. Okay, so fear of losing what I have. A, I was afraid that this woman's kid was going to take all the chemistry slots hours, and I wasn't going to get mine. Every hour that this chemistry tutor had was going to be taken over, right? And then, what if she got a really good grade, and that took my spot where I wanted to apply? Right? Fear of losing what I have. And I was like, no, she can't have it. Sorry. And besides, she can find her own tutor. And my daughter went... That's really spiritual. <laughs> right? And I swear, I swear to God, we parked, and she goes, I'm going to go inside now. You need to think about your behavior. <laughs> right? And I was like, shit. You know? And I thought about it, and I talked to my sponsor, and the next morning I called this woman. I was like, hey, I heard you needed a tutor. Here's his number. He's great. You know? Um, but the program comes back to me, you know, and and I can get really crazy sometimes. And you know what? That behavior shows up on my plate. 
and I have an I have a feeling detection system, like an early warning system that shows up in my food. You know, when I'm stopping at Starbucks for the second latte of the day, what's going on? You know, there's not much wriggle room these days in my food, I'll be honest with you, but I'll find them. I will find them. Um, my abstinence is there are foods that I don't eat. They are foods that make me crazy because my CPU, my computer, gives me a syntax error when I eat them. Okay? It says more, or it says you are worthless, or it says you need to diet. Or my favorite, it says, this is fine, you can eat it. And then a, a month later, I am face down in it, hating myself again. So those are the foods that I stay away from. And I'll tell you something really neat. Um, what it's like today. I sponsor a lot of women. I go to meetings. I talk to my sponsor several times a week. I have a posse of women who I talk to all the time. Um... I have people who are really current with me, who know what's going on in my life. Um, Father's Day rolls around. And the relationships of those people who I wanted to burn in hell have mended. As a result of this program, they've mended. Like, I was at the birth of an aunt's grandson. Ten years ago, I would have wanted nothing more than something horrible to happen to her. Well, maybe not 10, before program 15. You know, because I had so much resentment against these people who, who did some horrible things. Human beings not behaving well. Shocker, right? And I have relationships with these people today. They love me. I love them. I show up at their events. They show up at mine. They come to my house. They love my kids. I love their kids. I mean, it's amazing. And so Father's Day rolled around. And I was like, all right, it's time. You know, I'm going to go see him. This was about last week. So, and Lisanne called me two days later to, to share. And I was like, ah, oh, maybe, maybe I meant to share this story. Um, I haven't talked to my father for over 20 years. And there's a lot of hurt there. There's a lot of hurt there. And so I spoke to my sponsor before, texted people before, texted people after, and I walked into this nursing home and saw a man who is an old, confused, demented man who no one really wants. And there was no hate. The hate <coughs> was gone. It's gone. I want no mal... I don't want anything bad to happen to this man. And more than that... Forgiveness happened. I don't know how it happened. I can't tell you the moment that it happened, but it happened in these rooms. It happened through step work and through prayer and through a relationship with God and talking with you guys and seeing you guys recover and having you guys carry the message back to me. I can't tell you the moment of forgiveness, but I can tell you it happened. And the years and the months and the weeks that I spent in hate, eating and not understanding and being in pain, you know, and I spoke to him, and he recognized me, and it was pretty, pretty amazing to be able to go there on Father's Day and wish him a happy Father's Day, and then come home and call my sponsor and call all my peeps. Um, that wouldn't happen without this program. 
you know, I, I would probably never see him, never talk to him. He'd probably die, and I would probably have a lot of, you know, feelings about it. Um, so, with that said, um, there are a lot of gifts. Um, there are some struggles. Uh, the food still calls sometimes, you know. It, it, you know, I had a migraine that lasted about four days. Um, I wanted sushi rice. Like, that's all I wanted. I wanted, like, a big vat of rice the size of my car, you know. Um, and I was like, what's going on? You know, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, sick. Like, sick is a big one. Like, when I'm not feeling well, all my systems go off. Um, I wanted to tell you something else about that. Thank you. Yeah. And, you know, there's something really amazing, something really cool about sponsoring. Um, I'm sure a lot of you are sponsored, and, and some of you have prob- are probably sponsoring. Um, when, when people share their lives with you, it's really pretty humbling mm. to, to hear that and to be able to be a guide in that. And, and sometimes people, like, not even program call me and they ask my opinion or my advice or my wisdom and they think I'm oh so wise like I just regurgitate the big book of program stuff <laughs> they're like wow thanks that was amazing and it's just it's just program because it's the blueprint of my life you know um, I have you know again my daughter had a, a very painful breakup a couple years ago and she was devastated and she said I wouldn't have been able to get through my breakup if you weren't in program you know um, my <coughs> husband Love this program. <laughs> and there have been mornings when he's like, um, I think there's a 7.30. Do you want to go? Um, truthfully, I mean, he'll be like, I'll watch the kids. Really, you should go. Really. Um, or when I'm talking to my sponsor, the house is silent. Like, there's a certain level of respect for this program because without program, mom is crazy. Um, I eat a certain way, and the, the kids kind of know about it. My friends know about it. Um, and I, I, I have a life beyond my wildest dreams. And I just, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful because without this program, I would be heavy, er, angry, resentful, demoralized, eating, and rageful like this program without program I'm in rage <coughs> and sometimes the rage isn't even on the outside it's inward you know and what shows up on my plate is kind of rage inward you know um, so I'm really grateful um, thank you for letting me speak I'll take some questions <laughs> What are some of the challenges I have as a sponsor and how do I handle them? Uh, detachment. Um, I can't really tell people what to do. It's kind of a fine line. Like, I can't tell people what to do, but at the same token, if I keep expressing to them how I've done it and they continue not to do it how I am expressing to them that I've done it and then they're not getting the results that I got then it has to come to, like, I don't think we're a good match because I can't ultimately pass along a program that I haven't worked. So if I, if I keep saying, like, well, are you going to your meetings? Are you going to your meetings? Are you going to your meetings? Mm-hmm. You know, and they're like, well, life's busy, or I can't. Or it's, I haven't done it that way. 
You know, so ultimately I'll keep reminding them, but if it's not happening, we usually part ways. Um, and then there's detachment. Like sometimes I really feel like a sponsee should do something. Like I'll, they'll call and they'll want direction. And I'll be like, I really, I, I'm feeling this. And they'll turn around and do the exact opposite. And I'll be like, really? Then why'd you call? You know? Um, and then it's like, this is their path. Like, well, how do I know what they're supposed to do? You know, God bless them. You know, so I have to detach and let them do their journey. I don't know. I'm not God. You know, I just have one, one view. Um, I haven't eaten butter or margarine in 14 years. Um, so that, that hasn't happened. I really only do whole grain carbs. Um, I don't do anything refined. I don't have sugar. Um, and I only have it once a day. Because more than that, I just want more and more and more of it. There you have it. And it's three meals. I generally do two snacks. Um, I, I am hypoglycemic, so my blood sugar tends to do this. I have to keep it really stable. Uh, much to my disappointment, my blood sugar stays really stable with 12 almonds. <laughs> Not with, like, a chocolate croissant and a latte, you know? Like, which is like, I'm starving. I need a latte and a croissant, you know? Um, so that's sort of changed. <laughs> Oh, my goodness, I've got to share that part of the story. I'll, I'll add it right now. Um, yes, we went to Jewish school, um, but my parents mocked religion, so that was interesting. Um, I believed in God, but I never had a relationship with God until these, until these rooms. Um, God is in my front pocket. Like, he's right here all the time. And my God is loving, has a wicked sense of humor, like wicked sense of humor you know I, I I'll just tell you this real quick I I went to visit you know this man in this nursing home which was just torturous it was very difficult you know and I'm sitting there and I'm feeding him coffee cake and talking to him you know and the nurse comes by and she goes are you the daughter and I was like yes she goes do you live in the area yes don't you think you should visit your father more often and immediately, immediately, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Courage to change the things I can lose no difference. Yeah, I thought it's been a long journey. And she goes, his daughter, leaning to the man in the other bed, does more for your father than you do, she said. And honestly, six, seven, 16, 17 years ago, I would have let her have it. I would have called corporate. I would have had her fired. I would have said everything that I could have to her. I smiled. I said, it's been a long journey. And then I said, how's your day going? Where are you from? She's like, Africa. I said, Africa's a big continent. Which country? She said, Somalia. I said, dear God, let me have compassion for this 400-pound LVN from Somalia. <laughs> You know, what kind of life has she had that she has to judge me like that? She doesn't know my story. But that ability to not say anything to her was purely from God. So to answer your question, I, I didn't grow up very religious, but God is, is right here. He tassels my hair and giggles and sends me challenges in the form of Somalian <laughs> I did it first.
we're making this into a movie, right? Yes. Someone's writing off this down on the other end, and we're making this into a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Will you ask to repeat the question? Are we making this into a movie? Oh my God! Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah. No. Um. With with the people who my life has become better with, have I made a direct amends with them, or was it just kind of a work in progress, a living amends? With many of those people, I made face to face amends because I. What occurred to me was that the resentment I had towards them, which they had a part in, but they were also a victim in the situation. We were all victims in a really, really crappy situation. So I had to sit down with them and say, you know what, I'm, I'm really sorry for the way that I've behaved over the past 15 years, and I've missed having you in my life, mm. and I, I would be honored to have you back, mm. and I would be happy to show up for you. Additionally, you've been taking care of my father for the past 15 years. How can I financially amend that? It was hard, you know, um, but great events came to pass. You know, I have a stepmother that I hated, hated her. You know, my husband and I sat down and we were like, we have this woman in amends. Like, she was in our lives in a really, really bad time. She was a victim of this, too sat down made amends to her I send happy Mother's Day texts to her now I see her we hug each other and say hi her grand God not me 